Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Hello, are you well? Very serious this morning. Emmanuel, those are great announcements, buddy. Gave you a nice marathon on the announcement. We are, it is a slightly different service. If you are visiting, we're going to have some fun this morning. But before I even get into something of the preach, I'd love to invite a young man up onto stage. His name is Edwin. Why don't you come up, buddy? And, uh... oh, oh, how are those shoes, buddy? There we go. Take a seat. So we are. Uh... There we go. What are we noticing? The socks. I, I want to um, introduce you to Edwin this morning. Some of you have seen him around for the last couple of months um, and, and seen him involved with the life of the church. Um, and, and I'll tell you why I'm going to do that in a, in a second. But I want to give you something of the history. I met this amazing man over three years ago. He was doing a second um, theology honors up at Pretoria, taking nine months to go do that. And at the time was worshiping at a church called 3CR where Rory Dyer um, leads, and I met Edwin then with a group of guys, um, and they were traveling down to the south coast to go and minister at a church down the south coast. Over the years, then we came to Cape Town, we've hooked up for coffees, we've connected, and for the last two and a half, almost three years, he's been leading a a church in um, Cliff Street, planted a church, and uh, really felt God take him through um, a story there. I'm just giving you some history, you'll understand why now. And, and so some of his story is, is six-year studies, theology studies, serving in the life of a church as a youth pastor in Cape Town for two years, back to finish some studies, and then um, planting a church out of passion, desire to see God do amazing things. Who is he from my point of view? There's a number of things. His name is Courageous. And I'll tell you what, to see young men and women say, actually, I want to serve God with everything. I want to put it all on the line. I want to plant a church, even though no one's going with me, I think takes massive courage. And, um, and, and it was an amazing thing I've watched. He, he walked without much support. Very often, guys plant churches. You've seen Gabe and the team plant a church with all the support and encouragement. And sometimes guys just say, actually, God's called me to plant a church with no support, no encouragement. And that's the way he did it. And, and I think that takes courage. He's a man who loves the Word. He's got two theological honors degrees, and I've seen him plow into the Word, love the Word of God, and call people into that story to give people an appetite for the Word of God. He's a creative man, um, and uh, uh, at the moment, um, in this change of season, he's running a small company um, as well, doing bespoke furniture and selling that online, which is really, really cool, but creative, adding life to the life of the story. This pioneer again sign would have looked very different if he wasn't here. It would be Tyler and I with a, with a jigsaw trying to do it straight along the line. And Edwin said, you're not doing it like that. You won't do it like that. And lastly, I want to tell you, he's a man of faith. He's got a long story walking with God since 17 years old and plowing and trusting God for finances for a story, which is amazing. And the reason I'm telling you all that is um, in the season of three, four months that he's been with us, three months in the life of, of Life Changes, about three months ago, um, the church where he was leading that he planted about three years ago closed down. There were some difficulties and circumstances in and around that that we don't need to chat about now. But um, in that process and us walking with Edwin, myself, Gabe, Wally, others, um, Edwin felt to come and plant himself just in this church to enjoy community and something of healthy church. 
and we feel that he has a longer season here. And in processing something of his future, trying to facilitate whether it's planting again, whether it's pioneering again, we felt there's a season of at least a year, potentially longer, where Edwin is going to come and join the team at Life Changes. As a pastor in the life of the team, he's, he's not going to be on eldership at this stage, but he is going to be a pastor in the life of the church. And I wanted to just position him with you. I realize you see us a lot. You get to see others. But I want to just ask him a few questions so that you can get to know. We wouldn't, number one, we don't do this lightly. As an eldership, there's been many conversations. There's been many conversations with us and other men and women like Rory Dyer, Mel Dyer, others who love this church. Number one, that it would be good for this church. Number two, that it would be good for Edwin and his future. And number three, and most importantly, that the kingdom of God is advancing. And um, we really feel we've got faith for this. It's exciting. Um, I think when we stop risking on young men with big dreams for the kingdom of God, we, we, we miss out something. Whether that's young men and women pioneering businesses, young men and women planting churches, young men and women going with, with uh, medical degrees into the worst areas of our world where refugees are in trouble. If we stop backing them, the church starts getting into neutral gear and going backwards. So this is Edwin. He's a bull. There we go. Is it true you support the Blue Bulls? Because I know for many here, that is a challenge. We just need to get the elephant out the room. In. Um, good morning, everyone. <laughs> so I am a Blue Bull, and uh, I can show you a little something. Oh, no. That I carry, and we didn't uh, go over this. No. But in my wallet is a ticket stub of the Bulls versus the Shark fi final 2007. I was there. And, uh, you know, so I was a guy with a Blue Bulls shirt in, uh, in a crowd with just a black jerseys everywhere and this and, and all of that stuff. And we won. And it's a beautiful thing. And I carry it around. Um, yes, okay. I'm a Blue Bull. Okay, we could have mentioned that before, but that's fine. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've mentioned a little bit, but, but who is Edwin? Tell us a little bit about studies, family, some of your story. Yeah, cool. Um, so, I come from Secunda, which is a what? mining town. Is that a real place? It's a real place with real people. Um, so, I, you know, I come from a very from blue-collar home where my dad had to work really hard, long hours, shifts, and I learned hard, the value of hard work from my father. So he's an oak that, that can really graft. And just, you know, he provided well for the family through really, really hard work. And my mom's a teacher. And they, their biggest dream, the thing about Secunda, I think it's like many mo uh, small towns, you end up living there forever. And I think they just wanted me to get out. And now, honestly, so, so that's the thing. They, they, they would, you know, as parents, they would think, okay, we're successful if we can just get them out of here. And so, they, I promise you, it's the truth. So, so they just wanted us to go to, me and my brother, to go to university. And because my, you know, my, it's something my dad didn't do, and he had to work really, really hard. So he just wanted his kids to get an education and that kind of thing. So it was a high value in our home. So... You know, I didn't have a big choice, and I'm, in retrospect, really grateful, you know, to, to, to go this. I went to University of Pretoria, 
and I was raised there at uh, College uh, House, if any of you are familiar with that. Uh, was there for four years and uh, then uh, did an honours uh, in Pretoria and then another one in, um, at University of Free State and then moved up to Cape Town. Yeah. And studies in theology? Yes, everything theology, uh, thanks to my folks, yeah. There we go. Maybe um, some of the, the journey as a church planter, I think to many it would be a crazy, if not super foreign idea to say, in my mid-twenties with the best years upon me, what I'm going to do, I'm going to move to a city and I'm just going to plant a church. Yeah. Talk us so some of so that what journey. happened was uh, Mark Driscoll was a very big influence. So if you, if you hear the word Mark Driscoll, maybe you think, oh, you know. But back in the day, he, he was a big voice in my life. And I watched a video about, of Mars Hill and how they started out. And it just really, really inspired me, uh, starting with absolutely nothing and uh, just building a beautiful church. And, and I must say that uh, I watched that and was kind of high on that. And I uh, bought a ticket to Cape Town and I knocked on some doors. And I said, um, can I use this building? Can I use this building? And, and one oak said, yes. And uh, we started a church. When I say we, it was me. And <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, I had big signs, on, you know, you can write your name on the board kind of thing. We needed, work, you know, musicians. They didn't have any musos, had nothing. And no sound, they had absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, God provided in a short span of time everything. And it, it was beautiful. Um, just stories, uh, there's, oh, we attracted so many crazy people, um, <laughs> no, but good things also happened, um, <laughs> so we opened the, the at this, the, we had side windows, it's super hot, no air conditioning, none of that stuff, and the petrol attendant, so those of you don't, it's Clove Street, then it's the wellness center opposite um, where we were, Engine Garage, and then Hudson's uh, Burger Joint, so on Sundays, the petrol attendants would line up and they would stand outside, windows open, and they would listen in and they would worship with us. And so, so that's kind of a highlight. The, the low light is, uh, you know, have to, having to clean up the urine from the pews, from the drunk oh, just coming in because it's, it's warm inside. So that, that's, that was a reality. And, and just, you know, lots of crazy O's. Um, so it'd be there and O could be watching, uh, you know, paging through a magazine of uh, just a, a girly magazine. And, uh, you know, I would have the audacity to say, excuse me, sir, can you please put that away and, and get out? And they wanted to karate me and things like that. So lots of weird things happened, but it was, it was, a good, it was, it was good. And by crazy, you mean gospel opportunity? <laughs> yes, and crazy as well. Okay, yeah. okay. okay, so... But, but part of it is, um, um, tell us some of your passions, because I if you're visiting for the first time today and you're saying, why are we doing this? It's actually because we're not this fancy schmancy story. We, we're a family on a, on a journey together. We want to give people opportunities. We want to step into more together. We believe God gives gifts, and the good father gives good gifts to his church so that we can grow and step into more. And, and part of it is we're receiving something of a gift in this season for this time. So we want to receive that well with wide, arms wide open. But tell us some of your passions. Uh, I've mentioned the word. Maybe you can mention that. Some of your passions that, that get you yeah. excited. Yeah, so 
So I must say that, that I um, have a lot of heroes, um, guys like, like John Piper and, and those kind of guys. And, and, I, and I must, yeah, so I really feel called to, to teach the, the Word and to study the Word. And, well, I do study the Word and, and do believe that the, you know, I come alive when, uh, when, when, when the Word is taught. So I'm very passionate about the Word. And um, when I look at an energetic guy like um, Mark or, or even Gabe, it's that, so, so I'm, I'm not, not one, of, one of them. And, and they, they're beautiful gifts. And uh, I'm more of a, a teacher. I get tired just looking at the energy. And uh, <laughs> for, for me, it's, it's more of a, we take this thing and uh, we're going we're gonna, uh, to feast. Um, and, and we're going to get fed. So, so that's more my vibe. Uh, yeah. And I'm also a passionate Springbok supporter. I really am. There we go. Um, and maybe just lastly, I mean, w with Edwin's transition and process, there were lots of possibilities and options for him, be it work-wise, be it going to be involved in different church stories. And through circumstances, situations, he, he came to us and approached us and said, actually, we'd, I'd love this church story. Maybe you can just tell the guys what it is about life changes that, that stirred you, got you, and, and why you think that's this next season for you. Well, I don't think you too bad uh, to, to begin with. Um, so I've, I've been through a really tough time. Um, and honestly, Mark has been phenomenal, and Candice. And they've opened up their home, and I've slept there, and I've ate their food, and, um, you know, they've been, you've been good. So, so, so... That's one thing that I know that this man has got my best interest at heart. And uh, so it's a big thing for me. And, and, and another thing is that this church, it's a church where you can invite folks. You can invite your, your mates to this place and they're going to get something good. And I think there's not a lot of cringe. I, I, I'm so aware of myself and aware just, you know, if, if something cringeworthy happens, I'm the first guy to cringe, and, and uh, I don't experience that year at all. In fact, I think this is a good place. It's a place you can bring your mates, and you can know that they'll get something, and, and I love that. I love, you know, I like quality. In, in anything, I like the best, and I think uh, there's quality. Church is never watered down here. There's a consistency, um, and, uh, you know, this is a house of salvation, and uh, that's, that's a good thing. Oh, so, well, that's, that's the main thing. And the main thing is the main thing, and it's being, it's, yeah, it's good. Good. Wonderful. So why this moment, this little interview, is, is Edwin's going to become part of our story in terms of pastoring and involved. I would love you to have him in your home. Share life with him. Pull him into a story. Part of it is he said to me, he said, Mark, I've not had the privilege of, he, he, he studied through a denomination for many years and got to the end of six years of study and said, I can't do this. There's something in me that, and I'm seeking something of health. I'm seeking something in community. And I would ask, as much as God has sent him here to be a gift, I think actually this community will be a gift to Edwin. Not just Candace and myself, this community, your lives, your stories. And who knows, maybe in a year's time he's planting again. Maybe in a year's time he's here. We don't know yet. But we're saying, actually, if we're our house, if we're our soil, where God can send young business people, young mothers, fathers, whatever, if we'll be faithful with those people, I think there's a great future ahead for the church. So we're in that space. My encouragement is get to know him. And um, 
and, 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 and receive him as a pastor. Go, you can, I, I trust this man. I've had him in my home. I've had many discussions around theology and that with him. We don't risk with the people that God sends us super easily. And so you can trust him. You can trust his wisdom. And, and the main thing for that, for me, is that he's a man of the word. And that's a high, high value for us. So this is Edwin. It's wonderful to have you with us, buddy. Thank you. Okay, it's, it's good to be here, and I, wanna, I just want to say thank you, and, and um, you know, I'm here to serve, absolutely, so thank you. Wonderful. You can grab it. Thanks. So, slightly different service this morning. Are you still well? Yes. We're really excited, and, and uh, it's been a process. If you're visiting with us this morning, it is wonderful to have you. Edwin spoke about the cringeworthy factor. I don't know what that is. But, but, but I hope you haven't had too many cringeworthy moments this morning. This is church. We should have a lot of fun. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of preaching, and we're between series. We're starting a new series next week, which we're very, very excited about. We had about 20 people together on Thursday night, just thrashing out the possibilities of the series. But two weeks ago, I had the privilege of preaching about pressing into the king and the kingdom, that it's this active front-footed response to his glory, his goodness. There's no neutral gear in a kingdom life story. When you're in neutral gear, you move forward, you might have a bit of momentum, but the hills will come, you will hit the hill, and eventually you'll go backwards. And so in this story, we're speaking about pressing into the king and pressing into his kingdom story. It's not about pressing into the church. That's not enough. Maybe that shocks you. But the church never saved you. The church didn't do it. Jesus did. His glory, His goodness, His person, who He is and the relationship He calls you into. And He says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to place you in a family called the church who are on mission. They're not in neutral gear. They're moving forward. And so it's in a great story. It's a beautiful story. It's an absolute privilege of a story. And this morning, I want to keep calling us to press in to the King, but in worship. And I want to speak about worship this morning. I, I am a worship leader. For years, before I was ever a preacher, I was a worship leader. I, I would travel with Rory Dyer, and I would carry my guitar and my bag, and that was my gig. And I absolutely am so grateful to God for those years and that privilege. But part of what I believe God has called me to, and part of what I believe He's called us to build in Life Changes, is a worshiping house. A house with the DNA of a worshiper, that when people leave, it's not about excellence, it's not about this, it's about Wow, those people know how to worship. There's a desire. Thank you for that clap. I received that clap. <laughs> but there is an earnest, honest, authentic passion and burning desire to say, I long to worship Him. And I want to put something into us today as a local house, as a local church, as a family. You know, with our family, we have to sit down at the moments we talk about what is important to us as a family. I just want to share a little breakthrough this morning. It's the first day I've ever had to wake my kids up. Normally, it's the other way around. It is a major breakthrough. I was so excited. I'm like, I want to do it. Ken, I want to do it. I want to do it. Wake up, boy. What? What? Major breakthrough for us. Anyway, just thought I'd share that with you. But I, when I say worship, I'm not just talking about Sunday, but I am also talking about Sunday. The gathering of believers. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is more than a moment. Or, well, let's get this out the way. Maybe that's, I remember one guy openly confessing, I said, why do you always arrive at like 25 minutes to 10 in Glenridge? So it's none of you, everyone relax. <laughs> said, well, to be honest, I really just don't like that worship thing you do. So I want the word. So I come for the word. 
And I'm, something in me dies. I'm going, oh God, the privilege of worshiping. When I go on leave and I come back, the first thing I'm excited about is the songs or the praise of the saints when we gather together and the power in that moment. But I'm not talking about outward expressions. I'm not going to tell you what worship looks like. I'm not going to tell you that freedom is stage diving. Then you are really free. It's not what I'm talking about. Although I found something very helpful on the internet the other day. Who knows, that's normally not the truth. But could we put up slide, um, the next slide? Are you able to see that? Just some official worship signals, just in case you're a novice at this. And, and, and the whole thing's a bit new. We just want to give you some possibilities. I realize some of you are new to church, and it's like, what are those weirdos doing? So really, at the, interme- at the beginning level, we've got the elbow flap. It's just... Just passionate worship of the king, but I'm, I'm new to this. And then you've got other options. You've got carry the TV, which I found is a very effective if you just, and it's like, the problem is we live in the age of the widescreen, so you've got to go a little bit wider. Just got to take it a bit wider. And that's really kind of entering in, first stage. And if you're there and you're in a rocking a widescreen or even the flaps, we're really proud of you. It's wonderful. Intermediate, we've got the mafishas this big. It's a fisherman's, really, angle of worship, and it's, it, it can't just be static. There's a lot of movement to it. You want to just kind of with the beat, and sometimes there's a hip. Just, sometimes you rock. It looks a little awkward sometimes, but if you get into the 80s, some of you were there. We've got, hold my baby. We want to just, it's not, you're not going extravagant wild. I mean, that's overboard. There's a journey. You're just, you're just rocking the baby. It's just, it's a little bit like DJ Bravo. And the cricket, but not quite. It's just holding baby. But if you really want to press into the intermediate, there is Mufasa. <laughs> and and um, it's from the Lion King where the father holds up his new little lion cub to the people. But we just, we hold up the king in worship. So these are kind of intermediate. I trust this is if you're new to church and you're thinking, and yes, we are laughing at ourselves. It's okay. I think the church should laugh at themselves a whole lot more. And uh, we got the pro movements. We got the dueling light bulbs. So some of you rock the light bulb dance move. In church, we rock them against each other. It's like, it depends. It's got to be an upbeat song. You can't really do this to as the deer pants for the water. It's just kind of, you don't want to do that. We've got the goalposts. I mean, what's really special is when you bring the one goalpost down and it's like... And then we've got the pointer, the hatchet, and the schoolroom. Well, that came out awkwardly, but we're not... So don't do that one. We're going to ban that one for now. And then if you really, I mean, it says on the bottom left, they're warning Baptists, do not try this. Malcolm, don't try this one, man. <laughs> but we have the village people. God loves the village people. You're just going to enjoy the village people and just, yes, we are laughing at ourselves. It's okay. One more, the rocky... At the top of the stairs. It's a breakthrough moment. It's very special. And then the All-American touchdown. It's like Jesus is king. The game is won. It's a touchdown. Okay. Now we got that out the way. It's a... I honestly believe we should laugh at ourselves a lot more. I really do. I think it'll give us a lot more insights into how to engage the world as well. But, but, um, but I don't want to speak about that. 
I want to call us to something that is so not of this world. Because worship isn't of this world. We didn't come up with it. Hillsong didn't design it. Some of you are surprised by that. They didn't come up with it. It, it was designed in heaven. It's given to us in a picture and multiple pictures through the Word of God, culminating in this picture and book of Revelation where John is pulled up into this revelation of heaven, and it's wow. But I want to tell you, it's a spiritual heavenly act we get to do on earth. Whether you are on your own in your room, some of the greatest moments of worship, I've been on my knees in my study alone with no one else around, weeping under the presence of God because I'm easily, easily distracted. You might be shocked by that, but I am. So I'm best when I'm on my own and I can focus. But it is something of heaven that because Jesus touched earth, we can keep partaking in something of heaven called worship of the King of Kings. It's nothing like going to a rock concert in the world. It is nothing like listening to secular music. It is partaking in a feast because of Jesus. It's a high, high value. And the question is, do you, do you see it as such? Or is it just the first 20, 30, 40 minutes of worship? If you go to a really charismatic church, an hour. Is it just the thing we do so we can, it's like the gates we go to get past to, to we can get to the worship. We sing, go we past the gates of praise into your sanctuary. No, the gates of praise, there's no gates of praise anymore. I'm in his presence. Every moment from the very first word I sing or song I utter or breath I breathe, I'm in his presence and I get to enjoy the goodness of the presence of the living God. I'm not a, I have to work my way through. But I think the key to moving forward into more of God is answering these questions and pressing into, surely we should have, if it's a heavenly activity, we should have, have expectations of heavenly realities on earth when we worship. Heavenly activity on earth. I think as the saints worship, as we engage together, and please don't discount yourself, I'm training you all as worship leaders today. Because it's not their job to get you in. Can I take it completely off them? It's not their job. It's your job to hunger and thirst. It's your job to say, Jesus, you are so amazing. I want to praise you. And everything inside of me longs to sing your praise. And if I do the touchdown, I'll do the touchdown for you, Jesus. Because he's that good. But we should see miracles in the middle of praise and the worship of the saints. I believe it. Where the saints are worshiping. And I've told this story once before in the evening service, I believe, but I had the privilege of leading a youth camp down the south coast of Natal with about 400 kids. And, and I noticed this young girl, it was December in Durban, and she wore a black jersey the whole time. Now, who knows, you don't wear jerseys from about May to June. It's like ever in Durban. And something was happening. And on the first day, she sat in the corner. On the second day, she was standing. And I just know, I didn't know her from anything. And no one prayed for her. No one called her out. But in the midst of prayer, she came up to me at the end of a worship session on the last morning with her friend who knew her story and said, Yesterday, I wore black jacket, jersey, because all the way up my arms were lines from where I'd cut myself for years. And there were scars that existed for years. And in one moment of the presence of God, as 400 young people passionately worship God, those scars disappeared. And I don't know about you, and maybe that's too much for you, but I've seen too much to not expect God to do amazing things when His saints praise. I've seen too much. 
Her life has forever been the same. I saw her a couple months after that. I didn't even recognize her. Everything about her had changed. Why? Because people chose to worship their God. In the midst of worshiping community, chains are broken. And maybe it's prayer, and maybe it's breakthroughs, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's just the people who passionately worship their God. And in the midst of those chains that have existed for year after year after year are shattered. Because the Lion of Judah is seated on his throne, and he is roaring. I want to give you a high view of worship. Not just something we do because we're the church. In the midst of a worshiping community, people of years of brokenness and pain are healed. And Bryn Barker, who is now leading and part of leading a church in Stellenbosch, after 12 years of running, 12 years of debauchery, 12 years of brokenness, 12 years of, of drugs and, and, and affairs and a whole bunch of things in America, one of the guys from Glenridge bumped into him and he literally had looked like he'd been living on the streets. This man who was a prince of preachers, you wouldn't know him, but in Durban he's well known as a training in the Bible school for years. And he just went on a 12-year road of brokenness. And he spent three years at the back left of Glenridge. That's the back right of Glenridge. He never moved forward. Just sitting there, three years. And in three years, he got restored. After three years, he got offered an amazing business opportunity in Cape Town. So Rory got him up, said, what has happened to you in three years? He'd never spoken. He'd never shared one thing. And he, he got up and he says, you don't even know it. But as you worship as a community, I got healed. As you sang, I got healed. You don't know what's happening when you're at the back and you think, because I'm at the back, I must just kick out and I must sit, sing quietly because I don't want to stand out. You don't know what's happening. When you sing out, maybe out of key, who cares? He doesn't care. He gave you that voice that sings out of key. He just wants your breath. He wants everything. And you don't know the healing that comes to the person next to you, behind you. Don't leave it up to them. When we are a church that leaves it up to them, we have completely lost and forsaken our responsibility to be pushing in. So you can see I'm passionate about this. A.W. Tozer says, we should not be concerned about working for God until we have discovered the delight of worshiping Him. I want to give you four encouragements from a worship leader today. I don't even want to speak as a pastor. I want to speak as a worship leader. On behalf of these guys who get up, get up early on winter mornings to come and prepare, come on weekday nights, spend time preparing outside of their busy jobs. I want to speak for them today and call us as a community into something. The first one is this. Worship is not a responsibility. It's a response. It's not, well, I have to do this. It's, it's God demands it of me. Now, God, what God demands is your heart. In response to the King of Kings, Rabbi Zechariah says this, Deep within all of us is a longing to recapture a sense of wonder, to marvel at the mystery of God and His creation like we did as children. But through the years, our capacity for wonder has been stifled by busyness and ambitions, and we have resigned ourselves to explaining away all that once made us grasp in awe. After all, how can we let our hearts believe what our minds tell us is nothing more than childish fantasy? W.H. Davies says, What is this life? If full of care, we have no time to stand and stare. We were driving years ago. Judah was about 18 months. He just started uttering things. And you've heard this story before. We're driving to the Jockensburg, and we just heard this, Wow! Wow! From this little guy in a backseat. Wow! Like, what's going on, but? Wow. 
and we see him looking out. He sees the mountains of the Jokensburg for the first time in his life. And at 18 months, he responds, wow. Worship is our opportunity to stand before the glory and the wonder of the king who died for me so that my scarlet sins could be washed clean. Worship is my chance to fall on my knees before him, to breathe deep because I can barely breathe in his presence, and to go, wow, God, wow, God, to remember the stories of healing that he did not just in a girl on the south coast, but in my own life. The brokenness, the restoration from a broken, young, insecure teenager. I tell people about being 16 years old and about this tall with pimples all over my face and struggling with the most radical insecurity and people think, no ways, you get in front of people all your life. That's what you do. And I'm telling you, it's only because Jesus got inside of this insecure, broken moment in moments of worship, in moments in his presence as a house worshiped, and they called me to something bigger. Because I stood before the one and I just stared and I responded, wow. Worship's just wow. When it becomes my responsibility, God, I've got to sing now. We've lost the essence and the privilege of what it is to worship. Twelve times in the book of Mark, it says they were amazed at Jesus. They were amazed at his authority. They were amazed at his his impact to the spiritual realm. They were amazed at his healing power, amazed at his wisdom, amazed at his ability to calm the storms. Are you still amazed at Jesus? Or have you become familiar? And I'm not teaching this because I don't think we're doing well in worship. Please, don't get that. I want to put something into us, a DNA as a house, something of myself, something of us as a house into us so that we can enter into the more. But the question has has to be to us as a house, have we become familiar? My little guy, Ben, he's five years old, but he's a tender little man. Candace walked out the other day, the other night we were here, and ladies were making, and she had a crown on her head. And he walks up to her and he goes, my princess. <laughs> but he often walks up to her and he says, mommy, you look so beautiful. And I don't know, I don't think Judah doesn't see it. But Ben is, part of his makeup is to see it, to stand in awe, to be amazed. I want, I want to learn from my five-year-old son. Because I think sometimes when we become familiar, we stop saying the things to the ones we love the most because we assume they know it. Don't assume he knows it. He is jealous for your praise. You know who God is? God is jealous. And he's jealous for your praise. He's jealous for your affections. He's jealous for your time. He's jealous for your breath. He's jealous for everything that you can give him. All I can give him is my breath and my energy and my worship. It's the only thing I can give him. And even that he gave to me. The second thing, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, is God, first one, worship is not a responsibility, but a response. The second one is God seeks worshipers. And John 4, verse 23 and 24, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. What's my point there is God is seeking. It's his initiative. 
And when we come on a Sunday morning and sometimes it's cold and sometimes the band's off and sometimes the sound is bad, we think, well, it's my job to wake God up from his slumber. So I'll sing to wake him up. And we forget that the Bible tells us it's his initiative. He's looking. He's working over the earth for those who would, in spirit and in truth, from deep inside of them, give him praise. But he initiated it. He gave it to us, the privilege to worship Him, the privilege to be in His presence and step into more. It's so much more than just doing church. So much more. It's not enough to just do church. I absolutely, passionately love the church. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But high above everything is a relationship with the King of Kings. And when we lose that as individuals, and when we lose that passion as a people, as a community, we lose the fire, the fuel for the mission of God. John Stott says this, wrote this, Our greatest claim to nobility is our created capacity to know God, to be in personal relationship with Him, to love Him and to worship Him. Indeed, we are most truly human when we are on our knees before our Creator. We are most truly human when we are on our knees before our Creator. Not the next level beyond expert of worship. Just a response. Just, sometimes He's just that good. Don't know when last, uh, I've, I've been given a gift recently, I was given a gift many years, and both times uh, I've just sat down, I'm going, hey God, it's too good. You're too kind. When our little boy was born, Judah, you heard some of the story last week. I remember being overwhelmed by the goodness of our God. We'd had, prof- we'd not prophecies, diagnoses, we wouldn't have kids, all that. But when I held that little guy, I would sit behind his bed, listening to him breathe, going, God, you're too good. When last did you fall on your knees? Find him again, because the greatest privilege we have is to know him. Just to know him. It's an amazing thing. In Matthew 28, and I was going to read the scripture, but I won't have time. They're looking for Jesus. Ladies are looking for Jesus. And it says in verse 8, So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. When last were you so in the presence of God that you were both afraid and filled with joy? I don't know. Sometimes in worship and sometimes in moments of God's presence, Sometimes people scream. Sometimes they cry. I don't know what is going on in their hearts. And you know what? I don't need to know. Because sometimes we can be both afraid of the glory and the wonder and the bigness of our God and at the same time filled with the joy that doesn't make sense. In the midst of trial, challenge, and the deserts of our lives, He gives us deposits of joy. That is what it is to know God. And her response, it says, they fell as, as, as it said, they came to Him. Suddenly, Jesus met them. My prayer is that suddenly people meet Jesus. That's why we can't be so strict and rigid about meetings. That's why we can't hold on to our preferences. That's why we have to be able to worship in places with chairs and air cons and get out of there and worship under trees because suddenly Jesus met them. It says their response is they clasped his feet. They came to him, clasped his feet and began to worship him. You can't clasp someone's feet on your feet, unless you have very flexible hamstrings. You've got to fall down. 
You've got to humble yourself. Will we be that church? Can I just say that God is not looking for something brilliant. He's looking for worshipers who are broken, who are looking for something brilliant. We spend so much time disqualifying ourselves. Can I ask you to stop wasting energy disqualifying yourself and see that Jesus has qualified you to enjoy his presence? I think it's the biggest thing for most of us. But I know what I did on Wednesday. Oh, I jumped that stop street the other day. Yes, you did. Are you going to let that hold you from entering the throne of grace, from coming into his presence? Are you going to let that thing stop you? The third point is heavenly. Worship is a heavenly activity we get to enter into now. Can I just make this as, as good as some worship sessions have been that you've been in, in this church at, at conferences, and I love it. I get so inspired to go to other places and get built up. But we've only just begun to worship. We've only just seen, we've only just scratched the surface. We cannot comprehend the wonder and the mystery of Revelations 4, seated before the glory in the throne room of heaven as the cherubim and seraphim are flying around and it looks like chaos, but it's completely ordered because the king is on his throne. Don't get taken up, oh, that's too loud or this is too soft or that light's a problem for me or that worship is not my favorite so I'm going to kick out this week. If those things are the things that are keeping you from pushing into more, I would ask you to throw that stuff aside. I'm not speaking as your pastor. I'm not speaking as a leader in this place. I'm speaking as a worship leader who gets up here at times and going, God, if you don't call them in, I can't do anything. I'm fighting for those guys. And their passion is that. Not that you would see them. But that you would see him. And uh, Revelations 4, I, I don't want to spend time, it's a long scripture. But it says, and it, it creates this, speaks of Jesus like emerald. He can't even, John is in this vision. He can't even describe Jesus because, because it's, it, it says, it's like trying to pour an ocean into a teacup. It's what A.W. Toza says. He says, the whole experience of Revelations 4, when, when John is pulled into this vision, says he's trying to describe it. It's like trying to pour a whole ocean into a teacup. We, we cannot fathom. We don't even have the language. We don't have... But there's something that calls us into more. Something of the holy, the glorious one, the one that nothing else can compare to. And, and I just want to use... Part of it, it says there's four living creatures and they fall down before the king. And it, it describes this as this. Um, it describes these creatures. There are four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Day and night. Oh, Mark, worship's gone for 35 minutes. I've done it, guys. But day and night, heaven is a day and night reality. But I want to take these four creatures, and, and we don't fully know exactly what's going on here. And there are parallels to the four Gospels, that each of those represents one of the Gospels. Yes, amazing parallels. But I want to say that maybe these four living creatures are something of a picture of what it is to be a worship of the living God. 
that the first one, I worship like the face of a lion. Sometimes in worship, there is a roaring of the lion of Judah that bursts inside of me. And from 14, thank you, from 14, 15 years old, I realized I had a loud voice. And the worship leaders can tell you, they can hear me sometimes over their monitor. So I was so insecure. I stood, I made a decision to go worship in the front left of the church so no one would be in front of me. And I worshiped to a wall. But I worshiped. Because sometimes the Lion of Judah wants to roar through your small little voice. Sometimes the Lion of Judah wants to roar through your lack of lionessness, whatever that is. So that others can find freedom in life. Sometimes the Lion of Judah, the authority, the power wants to roar through the voices of a worshiper. And I can't tell you that that's 100% what the vision was about. I can't say, but I think it's something of the picture of Jesus. There were moments when he just roared. What about worship in the face like an ox? Well, sometimes we come and sometimes it's hard. Maybe the day before you had a miscarriage. Maybe that week before you lost your business. Maybe three months before. The partner you invested so much in business, relationships, friendships, just walked out on you. What do you do then? Well, you know what? Sometimes you carry the yoke that he gives you and you press and say, God, I'm determined to give you praise in the midst of my valleys. Yeah. I had the amazing privilege of going to Joyce's funeral. Joyce Doggart, who's worshipped here on Monday. And we haven't had a moment to actually take time about it. But she sat here with cancer for the last year, with her husband. Whenever we needed someone to serve, she did. The last Arise event, she made most of the cakes while her hair fell out. She worshipped God every day till her final day. And it was an amazing thing. Wally did an amazing funeral on Monday. And please pray for Bert and the family. They are grieving and they are mourning. But Wally made the statement, and I was like, wow. The Bible describes Jesus as the lily of the valley. In the deepest, darkest valleys of our lives, there is a lily. There is a fragrance. There is a power called Jesus. And in the deepest, darkest valleys of our lives, we can find him. And sometimes it feels hard. Sometimes it's heavy. But my call as a worshiper is to keep worshiping him. Jesus is the lily of the valley. And sometimes I'm going to worship like an ox just moving forward. Sometimes we come and says like a face like a man. All our intellect and our cleverness and all this, all of that thing has to come in worship. All your skepticism, all the doubt, it has to come. And sometimes we sing like songs like, God in my living there in my breathing, and it's every bit of me. Through my thinking, my processing, I still worship. Not just an emotion, a decision to worship him above all else. That my humanness falls before the king of kings. And the last one, which I think is amazing, is like the face of an eagle. Where we have these moments in his presence. And I trust you've experienced it. And if you haven't, I ask you to go for it. To keep asking God to reveal. But moments where we can soar with him. It's like so easily. From the first strum of your chord, you have this privilege of just soaring with Jesus. And the spirit of God picks us up and allows us to see. And you know what happens in those moments? Our perspective changes. 
we see with God's view of the world and our circumstance and situation. We need moments of worship where he is roaring with lions. You need and I need moments where like an ox we just pursue through the valleys of our lives. We need moments like the face of a man where we are thinking, our processing, our thoughts and our minds come into submission before the king of kings. And we need moments of soaring in worship with the king, of the king, as the spirit of God reveals to us. And I am going a little longer than I'd hoped, but I'd like one more, one more factor in the story. Is I think the key factor, the X factor, is appetite and expectation. I don't know about you. I walked into a house last night, and I think they're here this morning, and, and my boys smelt Melva pudding in the oven. And literally, if you could have seen the saliva, just put, like little, little wildlings, just... There's something in here. I want to be like that. Where if there's a sniff of Jesus, I want it. Where there's the tiniest bit of him, I want it. And what builds inside of me is an appetite. I want to ask you, part of developing an appetite for Jesus is looking looking after your diet. The diet of your eyes, the diet of your thinking the diet of your processing, the diet of your thought life that dominates. You want an appetite for Jesus that calls you into more? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let your thinking be fixed on Jesus. Let your thought life in every part of it be fixed on Jesus. Let every part, and I promise you will experience the faithfulness of the lily of the valley and flying with the king of kings. This is what he's called us to. That in worship, we would step into more. That God is seeking worshipers who will respond to him. And I was going to tell a whole bunch more. But I think, if you've read the book of Exodus, if you haven't, it's an amazing read where God takes his people through a very tough journey. It could have taken three days, but it took 40 years. And I think the reason for that book is not about the building of, of, of the presence of God in a, in, a, in, a, in a tent in our God. I don't think it's about the laws. It's all, oh, the Exodus was about God giving them. No, no. I think the last verse of that whole chapter tells us what that whole book was about. And it says this, the last two verse, three verses. In all the travels of the Israelites, who were the Israelites? Unfaithful, kept grumbling, a whole bunch of things. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, and in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. The journey of the Exodus and the journey of your life and my life is that we would be a people when God's Spirit moves, we move. Whether it's day or night, we move. That we have such an appetite, such a desire, such a longing for to know Him, to be in step with Him, that we would be a people who are able to move, even at inconvenient times, to move with Him. God was teaching that to the Israelites. I think He's teaching that to us. In a time of age of distraction, I am easily, easily distracted. Can I invite the worship team up if that's all right? And I would love us for 10 minutes or so, and I shouldn't even mention time. But I would love us and invite us to step in a little bit more. Is that all right? It's not about them, actually. 
It's not about what they can or can't do. It's not about the songs. It's actually about one thing, an appetite. And here's the, here's the challenge. You can't run off my appetite. It's not enough. You can't run off my passion and my zeal. It's not enough. You have to see Jesus. And like an 18-month-old baby, just say, wow. We leave it up to worship leaders and songs and how good the sound is and the music songs that are written. It's not about those things. Those are just keys. But they're not the door. Jesus is the door. The keys allow us to access. They allow us to get in. And keys are helpful to us. But, but they aren't the everything. The everything is Jesus. The everything is me remembering and choosing to remember that He is good. And when I'm in the darkest valley of my life, there is the lily of the valley called Jesus. And He is faithful. And like Joyce Doggott, who worshipped until her final day, fighting cancer, I want to be like that. I have a new hero. Her name is Joyce Doggott. Because she chose to worship the king in the greatest trial and challenge of her life. And I want that. I want to be a part of a community that wants that. That we wouldn't settle down. We wouldn't become domesticated in our worship. We wouldn't settle for form and shape. Oh, it was so good. How good were those songs? No, that's just form and shape. But is there power? Is there healing? Is there deliverance? Is there freedom? Is the Spirit speaking to you, calling us to more? I want that. And I want that for this community. And I know this community wants that. If you can just, for, your, for now, why don't you just lift your hands to the King. If you're seated and you want to stay seated, that's fine. But why don't you lift and why don't you close your eyes for a second because maybe like me, you're easily distracted. Spirit of God, you are here. You were here before we ever sang a song. You were here when two people began to speak of what you've done. You were here in our midst. You're revealing the Father and you're revealing the Son to us. And you're calling more out of us. And I pray this morning, God, wouldn't be an encouragement to be something, to be like something, but rather just to be the worshipers that you are seeking, God. Your grace and your mercy in this place. Your freedom in this place. We worship you, God.